We've been cooking this for a while. We're launching our Ordinals Accelerator program. We're offering 100K in funding for Ordinals builders. We have an amazing group of mentors. We have 50 portfolio companies, which of course include Xverse, Gamma, Liquidium, Ordinalsbot, and many others. Some we haven't announced yet that we're in the process of signing deals with. Basically, we're investing in everybody who's anybody in the Ordinal space. We want to invite you, if you're a builder in the audience, to join us, to join our portfolio, to join our community. We have applications live. The first deadline is September 15th, and the program is going to kick off at the end of Q4. And people are saying ordinals are dead. We had Exverse announcing $5 million in funding last week, which was an investment we made over a year ago. They went through our accelerator program. We're going to see many more companies raising monster rounds like Exverse in the future. Ordinals is just getting started. And I hope you guys like the article we just got covered in Decrypt. We have some more articles coming out today. And this is just the beginning, man. More VCs are going to be coming in. Ordinal's just getting started. Love it. Okay. Obviously, I think people are aware that like Trevor's a VC. He invests in Bitcoin startups. What is this program going to specifically do? It's specifically catered around Ordinal's, correct, Trevor? Is it literally just an application process you apply? What can they expect? Yeah, so it definitely is, is a bit competitive. And it's just if you're familiar with Y Combinator, if you're familiar with Techstars, if you're familiar with A16Z's Crypto Startup School, it's a similar, it's an accelerator program. I like to think ours is a lot better. I've been doing startup coaching and training for more than a decade. My previous company, Lean Startup Machine, was a global boot camp around helping founders go to market, helping founders find product market fit. Worked with hundreds of companies over the years, used to travel every single weekend, work with companies. I ran accelerator programs for SOSV, which is a well-known Web2 top-tier accelerator program. Ran a pre-accelerator program for them. And we've already done two cohorts of this. So we've invested in 50 companies. A lot of our founders are building in ordinals. You can throw a rock and hit one of our founders. You can talk to them, get their take on the value that we add. And really what this program does, it's an intensive program all about fundraising. So we look for companies where typically either you are already raising and you're having some success with fundraising and you want to supercharge that, take it that to the next level, or companies who haven't fundraised yet. We take you in, you give an elevator pitch every single week, you give a pitch rehearsal every single week. We have actually a pitch coach who used to be an actor who helps you with your intonation. If you're a developer who talks in a monotone voice and sounds not very excited or is more on the introverted side, which some of the best, honestly, the best founders are these type of developers who haven't had the practice out there pitching and don't know how to sell people on their vision. Like you're not going to recognize yourself by the end of the program. It's very intensive. We talk about fundraising strategy, how to put together a pipeline, how to do investor research, how fundraising works. I think a lot of founders, because of the headlines of what they see for raising funds, you just see the, the meal after it's been delivered. You don't actually see how the sausage was made along the way that if you haven't raised funds before, that initial process can be much deeper of a rabbit hole than you could ever expect and much more difficult. Traction is not enough. Investors, at some point, traction has diminishing returns. Even for the first round, most investors invest off of a vision and an idea. and And sometimes they even say there's a phrase in VC, zero is better than one because zero can become anything, but one will always be one. And investors, like the investor's job is to wait until the last possible moment to give you funding. So this fundraising process is about creating momentum in a very short time frame. It's about kicking everybody in the pool because everybody's, all the investors want to stand around the pool and just be like, 
oh, who else is investing? And okay, come talk to me when you have a lead investor. And they'll, that's just the start of all the kind of the bag of tricks that VCs have because they've done, they do deals every single week. And founders, you raise funding once every few years, if not more infrequently. And so building up those reps, building up that practice, practicing in an environment where it's safe to fail, because pitching is different than sales or business development. Sales and business development tend to be about building relationship. When you're pitching, it's here's the deal. It's you get one first impression. It's if the investor's not excited in the first meeting, they'll maybe never be excited. And so learning how to do that is very complicated and challenging. And our expertise around teaching anybody to be best in class at it and how to raise funding, how to treat fundraising as a process and run it like a process so that you can improve it and you can get better at it and you can raise larger round. And so it's, if we can help you, and typically with fundraising, the thing is that like when you get the momentum, like typically rounds come together very quickly once you've done everything right. Like when I raised funding for my previous company, it was like in one or two weeks. It was like we prepared for three months and then in one or two weeks, everything closed or everybody came on board. And so a small percentage improvement in like your ability to, to pitch, like if you can convince like one more person, it builds a snowball. It's like almost like hitting a golf ball. It's like when you play golf, it's one millimeter difference can make the ball go way further. And so if you can just improve your performance in fundraising by a significant amount, then you'll be able to raise a lot more. You'll be able to do it faster. You'll be in a better position. You'll get better press. You'll have people... You look at the investors that you want, like the investors who can really add value to your company, and it can be a completely trajectory-changing thing for founders. Love it. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So just, again, going back to just like practically speaking here, you guys are going to make a 100K investment in a startup. You'll take like a small percentage of equity, and then basically the startup will go through this like program, you said, very similar to like Combinator but specifically for ordinals. Can you explain to people like why this kind of piece of infrastructure in the space is important? Like we saw Whale.swoosh tweeting that ordinals were dead earlier this morning. Can you explain like why in, in the whole ecosystem of a blockchain network, a crypto economic network, why this like kind of component is important and where that fits in and like what the downstream effects are and like why you believe this is where you want to be spending your time working in, in your career? I want to spend my career doing this because I think this is like the biggest asymmetric opportunity I might ever get in my life. Like I think the ability to invest in all the best ordinals companies right now and the ability to build an institution that has a reputation for having invested in the best companies. We want to build a fund at the level and at the presence, I would say, of what A16Z is on on Ethereum. We want to be that for Bitcoin. We want to be at that level in the lo- in the long term. This is a lifetime opportunity to build on ordinals, to invest in ordinals companies. And I just feel blessed every day to even be here. And Leo, what was the other part of your question? I wanted to see if you could just connect the dots for people. As to, I hear people say, okay, prices are down in ordinals. Okay, why are not there not enough people in the space? Connecting the dots back to the builders. And it's I fundamentally believe a keystone supporting the builders is the capital, right? There's a lot of smart people here in the space and they're just like, they don't know exactly what to do. And like, this to me is just a missing component that was needed. And I think ultimately the the downstream effects, like I'm answering the question for you here, is that 
you have more companies building better products and tools in the space to solve all these problems that I hear all complaining about on Twitter all day. These are the components that actually like we can complain. We can say we don't like this. We don't want this and all this. The reality is it's like to solve these problems, you don't solve a problem by literally just going and solving the problem. You solve the problem by laying the groundwork like two years before where Trevor's seeding all these companies and then two years from now, you don't have those problems. And it's everyone will be like magically, oh, the space is better. There's more people here now. There was a lot of work and a lot of critical components that needed to be put in place in order to get there. And we're just a very immature, like if we're being honest with ourselves, we're a very new, immature ecosystem at the moment. And funding these startups at the level that Trevor's doing it, I think, is, is an important piece of infrastructure that is needed for the bigger dogs later down the road to take it more seriously, just to get these ideas and these founders to a position to scale up their operation. Going from zero to one, as Peter Thiel likes to say, this is a, a piece of that equation. And there's probably, I would literally say there's probably like 100 pretty darn neat startups in this space and almost none of them are funded. It's really interesting to see. Hopefully you'll take, I don't know how many exactly you're accepting in this program, but like a dozen or something like this and walk them through and take them to the next level and then set them free into the world. And hopefully they solve all these problems and then whale can't tweet that we're dead anymore. <laughs> I'm trying to connect those dots for people that like fundraising and funding these builders to get the resources in their hands to go solve these problems is like an important piece of the equation. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I think I invited Whale to come on the show after this. It would be fun to have that our Ordinals dead conversation. But if you have to separate Ordinals, like the assets and the trading from this paradigm shift in how to build applications, like they're two completely separate things. Just like NFTs is a fundamental pillar of finance, non-fungible assets. Ordinals is a fundamental pillar of building applications on Bitcoin. And it is the tip of the spear because it's brought in so many new users and so many developers that actually it is a tide that lifts all boats in terms of the creation of L2s and, and alternative L2s, DLCs, other underutilized or formerly ignored technologies like partially signed Bitcoin transactions, UTXO, counterparty, all these exciting things which have not been given the attention and the love and the development that they deserve and that they can merit based on the actual market opportunity. We're seeing a revitalization of development coming to Bitcoin. And this is just like the first or second inning in that story. And while the NFT market, which is very highly correlated, we're seeing the NFT market on Ethereum just get decimated by a lot of the blur farming and just the, the sentiment is terrible. Of course, it's going to come over to the ordinals trading market. The same buyers like to buy at broadly like to buy NFTs across different chains. And a lot of the people who are in our ecosystem came from Solana, came from Ethereum, came from other ecosystems where they were participating in NFT communities. Seeing their bags shrink on Ethereum, for example, is just going to cause people to slow down all activity. They're going to save more money in cash. They're going to say, oh, shoot, my net worth is like half of what it was a few months ago. So I need to start saving some cash for my rent and for the actual life necessities I need when you're, versus when you're up, when your NFTs are up 10 or 100x and you can even take out loans and leverage against them. You have more liquidity to play with. You're going to be just more excited in general. So I think we are facing some 
systemic contagion, if you will, or some systemic suppression of the market overall that's affecting ordinals. But all this is short-term stuff. All of this is like in the wash. Like we have a fundamentally new way of building applications on Bitcoin. We have a, a diverse and rich developer ecosystem. And Leo, I like what you said. It's, it's time to start to professionalize a little bit more. You know, you can't stay in the startup phase forever. You have to scale. You have to grow and professionalize over time. And this is just the first step. Like people love to knock on VCs. And honestly, as a founder myself, listen, it's totally warranted. VCs are never going to be better than founders. They say great founders build massive businesses. Good founders become VCs. But most VCs are not even founders. Okay. And I think VCs get too much credit, but they also get too much hate, especially in this space. Again, VCs are people who invest other people's money. The primary contributor to VC funds are pension funds. The returns at the major institutional VCs are generating are for people's retirement. I'm saying as the primary funder of the venture capital industry, a lot of VCs suck, but there's a five to 10% which are amazing and they can really help a company and you need capital to build big businesses. Um, out of all the unicorns, like maybe 3% have not taken VC. And I think it's a, out of a thousand companies, right? It's 30 that have been documented that maybe bootstrapped or had a, such a profitable business that they were able to get to that scale. And so VC plays a very important role in the development of the technological ecosystem. We need more VCs in ordinals, even the bad ones, okay? Not the terrible ones, not the ones who are just going to only invest if you have a token, then dump it as, uh, three months later and push you to have a token generation event after three months. Honestly, the, the founders in the space need to have better vesting parameters around the VC they work with. It's not standard a lot. Sometimes a lot of deals I see it's, are not standard where they have these three-month token generation event, three-year vesting. It should be minimum a year. It should be minimum four years. One year for the token generation event, four years for the vesting. Founders are the ones who decide this, not the VCs. VCs can push for it. But ultimately, VCs can bring a lot of value to uh, the ecosystem. And they primarily help with founders to raise more capital. And you need money to make money. You can't do very uh, deep and expensive R&D without capital because you're not going to make any revenue. And a team of three people can get an MVP off the ground, but you need to scale to a two-pizza team. You need to scale to an eight-person team. That's when you really start to get the oxygen where you're like shipping features on like a regular cadence. It's hard to go forever as a three-person team. In a bear market, it's probably fine because not a lot of things are happening. But in the bull market, you got to be ready to go. And you don't want to, like the first hires that you make as a startup are super important. You can't rush those hires. If you're right now in the bear market, you only have three people on your team and you're cruising, you need to start getting ready for the bull market now. You need to start figuring out who's going to be your first non-founding engineering hire, who's going to be the next one. So that way, when the bull market comes around, you've already either been talking to those people for a long time and been working with them maybe on a contracting basis, but you're ready to scale up the team when the action really starts. Like once the team goes from that like initial few developers to eight, 10 person team, there's a night and day difference in how quickly you can move, how quickly you ship features. And you start to get at this level where you can keep up with product market fit and you can even grow, you can even improve your product market fit because product market fit is a moving target. Just because you have it right now doesn't mean you're going to have it in six months, nine months, 12 months. You need to do better and better. Customers get more expectations, more competitors come in to compete with you and the window for product market fit moves further away. Once you start to get from that three-person team to the eight, 10-person team, 
you can keep up and even move faster than that window. And so that's what this program is designed to help people do is like you have that strong three person team. Let's help you raise your first million, your first two million in funding. Let's get you ready for the bull market. And let's also arm you with an amazing network of people in the Ordinals community and help you meet all of them as quickly as possible, build the momentum and also do business development relationships with our portfolio. So we work to help supercharge your business development and connect you with everyone who's a who's who in ordinals. Love it. Yeah, Jeff, what's up? Yeah, plus one or plus a hundred to everything that everyone said about working with Trevor and the funds so far. It's 100% true. My question was more, I thought it was just like be interesting information to hear from Trevor or from anybody in the program or for anybody like running the program. A lot of times when it comes to like, overall investment picture within a a Web3 ecosystem. I feel like there's always like narratives or like beliefs that LPs or other VCs have. Sometimes they're like their headwinds. So they're like blocking and slowing things down and getting in the way of fundraising and making fundraising hard for founders. Sometimes they're tailwinds. They're like things that everyone believes are true that's making it like easier to write checks and making like the thesis like easier to digest and understand. I'm curious, like what's your take is on this for sort of ordinal startups or Bitcoin builders right now? I have a maybe different way of looking at it. I think like all VCs are like the headwind, so to say, or like the resistance. And it's up to you as a founder. Like it's up to you as a founder to know how to explain what you're actually building in a way that anybody can understand it. A VC is not going to be someone who has necessarily a deep understanding of the space. That's your job as a founder. Like they're picking the best horse to place a bet on, essentially. They can't see the racetrack in front of you. And so you need to be able to break things down, do it in a compelling and convincing way. And you need to build momentum. Like VCs, again, the best VCs, like their job is to wait until the last possible moment to give you money. That's the best thing for them in this game theory scenario. And so you have to create a forcing function. You have to drive your round to a close and you have to have a process to do it. And so if you don't know how to do those things, then it doesn't matter necessarily how much traction you have. If you have like insane traction, like you have the best traction of anybody in the entire year, then it will be a whole different scenario. But the vast majority of startups, you're in this middle ground, no man's land where you have like pretty good traction. That could be 15,000 signups, 20,000 signups. You need to price your round appropriately. And you also need to, you still have to be the one to force the round together. Rounds don't come together, they're forced together. And so if you don't know how to do that, It's just not going to happen. VCs will do whatever they can. It's in their best interest to wait until the last possible moment to give you funding. And they will also generally not give you the straightforward, honest feedback. When I've raised funding in the past and I pitched hundreds of investors in my career, I've never pitched an investor who didn't like my idea. (laughs) Okay. Every investor will tell you like they like your idea, but that doesn't mean they're going to invest. And so VCs tend to want to treat founders like an option because especially if you can see it from their perspective where, again, VCs are taking a risk mitigation approach. They're taking a portfolio approach of investing in many different opportunities. If they actually knew what the best opportunity was, then they would be a founder. Like you guys are being founders and builders and they're not, they're being a VC. And from their perspective, they are trying to generate the best returns. And a lot of them don't have the deep understanding. So they're most likely going to be wrong. That's why the number one thing that investors look for the average investor is how many other investors want to invest in your company because they really don't know because they're not experts. You're the expert. You're the one to convince them and they're trying to size you up. And it's don't hate the player, hate the game kind of a thing. It's just the reality of how the world works. 
And the faster you as a founder understand the rules of the game and know how to play it better than your opponent, the faster you'll be successful. I think that fundraising is something that is very difficult to understand if you haven't done it before. We always see the trailer video of how it works. We never see the full video of how the sausages get made. And this is what we're here to do is to help explain to you, give you examples, give you other founders to talk to who just did it to share their perspective. The first time I ever raised funding from VCs as I was learning to do it, the best advice I got were from founders who just did it and who did it successfully and had a hard time learning how to do it. We connect you with those founders to share those backroom conversations. A lot of the advice about fundraising out there is garbage. Investors will always tell you it's like a a food critic's version of how to make a five-star meal because they're on the other side of the process. And the real chefs, the Gordon Ramsays of raising funding they don't really tell you like the tips and tricks because it like one of my mentors who taught me like really like how to play the game. I was so shocked because I had read all these things from VCs being like, just give a pitch and just include these things in your pitch. And then hearing it from like a a real founder who's, who'd raised like tens of millions of dollars. I was like, why isn't this stuff out there? And he's like, if I share, if I wrote about this stuff publicly, I'd never be able to raise money in Silicon Valley again. It's like that kind of a thing. It's like how to play the game. And a lot of founders who write blog posts about how to raise money, they don't go into the full depth of what's required, or they don't want people to know it was difficult, right? There's no advantage to you as a founder, just finishing your round and then writing a blog post about how hard fundraising was, because then you're creating a negative perception about your company and and your job is to raise more rounds for your company. There's just a lack of general information out there. And I think that every VC's job is to wait until the last possible moment to give you funding. I don't know that there's some VCs who want to be early. There's VCs who specialize in different stages and there's VCs who invest in different amounts of capital, but the amount of capital they invest tends to correlate to the level of risk that they're taking. And it's much easier to get a 25K check than it is to get a 100K check or a 200K check or a $1 million check. You need more evidence, you need more traction, and you need more people backing you to get to those higher levels. And yeah, some VCs will be like more difficult and they just don't really even understand what it is like to be a founder. But like for the ordinal space, like the founders need to be good at competing with founders on Ethereum for capital. They need to be good at competing with founders in Web2 for capital. We need to be good at just selling the investment community on the opportunity in front of us. For us to like train 20 founders to be 10 times better at raising capital is just going to bring in 10 times more capital to space. That's how I look at it. Love it. Jan. So basically two points from my side, right? I think what Trevor talked about, this general advice, how to raise fundraising, like you need to guys keep in mind that all these threats and all these articles, those are like, ideal world scenario type of guys, how you raise money. And it never happens like that because you're going to face different kinds of challenges. The traction is going to be there for a while, then it disappears. And so I really, what Trevor says, that you need to force the round together in many cases. And the second thing that I also want to share, like one kind of, I would say, tip that just proves right time and time again for me personally Many people will tell you, yeah, it's the best way to get a warm intro for an investor. Yeah, it's true. But don't underestimate the power of cold calling, cold emailing. I still do it to this day. And some of the investors that we got into our round with Xers actually came through cold emailing. And you need to get comfortable with these kinds of strategies and things and really put yourself out there. And this reminds me of last thing. That's something that Trevor taught me, actually. 
I remember when we were running these programs or he was running these programs and I was just there learning many years ago. He was always saying, just, you need to get comfortable with getting out of the building and talking to your customers or talking to people that you need to get on board with your product or whatever it is. And so you really have to get out there. Awesome. Thank you for that, Jan. Uh, yeah, Nome, what's up? Hey, Jim, guys. Great opportunity. I've never done fundraising and I want to learn. Wondering what are the rules about doxing? Because like for Albert, he's doing those like meetings where everyone is showing the face and <laughs> that doesn't work to me. So I understand I'm doxing when I'm signing the documents. By the end, why would someone need my face to appreciate my idea? So you don't have to dox for us to invest, at least publicly. You need to dox to us privately and we'll sign NDAs or whatever is needed there. But if in order for you to raise from institutional investors, like you'll have to dox to them privately as well. And especially if you're a DeFi founder, most institutional investors will run background checks on you to make sure they're not like investing in something that's going to ruin it, that people are going to rug and ruin the reputation. So, but we're fine with founders who don't want to dox publicly and we invest, but you need to dox to us privately and we happy to sign any NDAs or anything necessary to give you that comfort. I, I would also add though, we do have a demo day at the end of the program where you're basically speaking in front of 200, 300 investors in this case and stuff like you can get creative with how you choose to show up. And so far we haven't had any of our founders actually go through without undoxing themselves, at least for that event. So I think it's just something to consider. As Trevor said, at least from the investment perspective, at least for the deal docs and stuff, there is a portion of it, but publicly we don't need it. It's more strategically for you. There are going to be a lot of investors that might be wary of investing in a team that is not willing to do that. That's just the only thing to consider. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Trevor, did you want to share anything else while you guys are up here? Yeah, I would just say, guys, go to our site. It's btcfrontier.fund and click on the Ordinals Accelerator. Submit your application. We'd love to start the conversation with you. We'd love to work with you. It is very competitive, but we want to at least meet as many founders as we can, give you some actionable advice, and we're not going anywhere. 